0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Distributed Republic webcast. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Um, The whole purpose of our webcasts and what we're trying to do within these episodes is we want to explore the impact of decentralization, Web3, digital and metaverse technologies on our social, economic and political systems. The mission of our our podcast and then our webcast is what we want to do is ensure that communities that can benefit most from the inception of new technologies have access to resources, education and expertise to thrive in a digital world. So if you haven't joined us before, uh, we have a discussion format podcast. We try to minimize the jargon as much as possible and keep our answers short and succinct and to the point. Um, But as you can imagine, when we're talking about a highly technical world, um it's not always possible so we do have a web 3 terminology guide that you can download at www.stan.store forward slash it's been created by our friends at cybergear it has over 200 terminologies uh of what's used in web 3 so really useful so if you hear something that you haven't picked up on before you're like that's new to me it's a great place to be able to start I'd also like to welcome you all to add your questions and comments in the comment section if you're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. Um, we can see them, so what we'll try to do is get round to any comments or questions at the end of the webcast. It's a really exciting one today. We are going to be looking at demystifying decentralization, specifically from a legalities and governance perspective. And I think for me that this is probably one of the most important webcasts that we've had particularly with the expertise of alexa who i'm going to introduce in a minute because i think we can get very uh, talk very fluffy language when it comes to web3 very high level concepts but actually sometimes getting into the nitty-gritty details of what that actually means from a step-by-step process and how that affects uh the the process in which web3 works is really really interesting but so hard to find resources on so we are very lucky to have our guest today who is Alexa Mill, and I'm going to let you do the justice of introducing yourself, Alexa.
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for the invite. It's great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to today's talk. A bit about me, I'm a legal professional who built her career in tech startups. Since I joined blockchain, I was mainly involved with DAOs, supporting DAOs with establishing frameworks for governance, operations, DAO education which is extremely important community building with a, with a focus on legal and compliance um, i am a DAO consultant where i consult and advise projects on how to establish their governance their operations and how to basically uh, build build a healthy and sustainable dao and I also have a podcast called DAO Today, which is, again, aimed at educating on DAOs and the legal and re- regulatory challenges of the environment.
0: And Kee, tell us a little bit more about your podcast, DAO Today, because I think some of your posts on LinkedIn and just the, the information that you put out there uh, is really, really useful. So just yeah, give us a bit of an oversight about what it's talking about and, and how people can get involved with it.
1: So down Today is an educational podcast that hosts a variety of different uh, talks. Uh, so far, to be honest, I had mostly legal and compliance experts that have been involved in the space for a while, but they're deeply involved in the industry in different uh, ways. The goal of the podcast is to... Um, is to provide the same way you're doing provide a good resource where people can go and listen and watch and get some information from people who actually know what they're doing and they have the expertise in that specific field. And hopefully people can learn from them and hear new things and understand how they can build, how they can build better and and more sustainable projects.
0: I think that that's such a a useful goal for what's happening at the moment. Because, as I said, I have scoured the internet for this kind of information. And I've spoken to, I think, maybe about three or four legal professionals now with very conflicting and different expertise. And some going, hey, well, it might be a bit like this, but we haven't quite explored it yet, or it's so new, uh, this hasn't come about. And which are completely valid answers, but it's always nice to be able to kind of get that expertise from someone who's been working within that that, uh, industry and that those kind of projects for a while so oh sorry go for it
1: no i just wanted to add like i completely agree with you i was building a a course for a school where i'm teaching daos decentralization governance Mm -hmm. and tokenization and i found so many conflicting resources online and i was like if I didn't know from my own, own very own experience how things in DAOs work, mm-hmm. I would be so confused, <laughs> and I really wouldn't know <laughs> what is actually happening in the world of DAOs because there is not really consolidated information, and uh, there is a variety of articles out there, and uh, they contain really basic information. And I think some of the information, some of the the rest of the articles, were just built up on imagination and assumptions how decentralized autonomous organizations work and how environment actually is built and established so yeah I mean thank you for for having me on it's great to be here and to spread to spread the word of (laughs) DAOs.
0: it's very exciting to have you on and as I said just some of that nitty-gritty knowledge is going to be really interesting so let's get started with some questions the first one I have which is why does decentralization matter and what are the benefits? And I think this is really important as well, because quite often when I'm speaking to people, they're like, well, why wouldn't you just do that using a very centralized methodology? You're like, well, it's not necessarily always producing different outcomes. So I'd love to kind of hear the insights of, of decentralization and what the benefits are.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I would just like to to mention at the very beginning is that not every project, not every business or product uh, can go and should go decentralized. Because some projects and some ideas are just not for the, not for the industry, not the way, it's it just not where their place is. And that is perfectly okay because centralized world exists and we need to coexist like it or not. Um, and why would one want to go decentralized? Well, I think it really depends on the per- on, on the personal mindset, right? Like, and the way you want to build. Um, a central traditional centralized world, in my opinion, has so many limitations and so many constraints. And um, even though some of the relationships are heavily regulated, it's still highly exclusive and very limiting to those that might, might have had, might do not have equal opportunities as others, and decentralization solves precisely that issue. And in traditional world, in traditional companies, what we have, we have um, common restrictions such as where someone is from, whether they are capable to get a visa to go and live in and and work in a different country, or to have. Um, some fast school diplomas this and that which is usually quite limiting for a person to to get a better paying job or into, uh, to to um, to have a better job overall and decentralization solves that by allowing everyone to be creative and to get involved and you need internet connection a phone or a computer again it's a bit exclusive but less exclusive than the traditional world and decentralization uh by default, is more inclusive, and it should be more more diverse, and um, it solves those problems by enabling anyone just to be just to join and build their own projects or join projects that they really like, mm-hmm. and the projects they find themselves in. And I think that is very very important that you build upon what you believe in and to be involved. In projects, in businesses, in products that you truly care about, and uh, to find your place in the change you are making, and that is decentralization and what decentralization brings. While well, in centralised world, you just usually have to fit in a box.
0: I think that's such a good point and such a, a lovely answer, because when we're looking at these centralised structures, a lot of people are marginalised because of centralised structures and institutions. You know, that's a lot of the time the barrier to participation. I, I was talking to a friend the other day where we, I was saying um, an interview is essentially your ability to mask as middle class. You know, that that's what you're teaching people within that space is can you go into a space and... Perceive as the you know the neurotypical norm or 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 whatever the normative is um, to be able to participate, but so many people find it hard to participate within those structures. A sixty-eight percent of the autistic population are unemployed, but that's a huge amount of talent resources that can't that aren't able to participate within these centralised institutions because of the centralised nature of them, but could have opportunities to participate very meaningfully and very practically within decentralized organizations and, and decentralized structures generally
1: that's very true and I know, it reminded me of an article i read that people who have some issues with moving around they actually started getting jobs during the pandemic because the requirement was not to go to the office and just that really shows what type of society we are where we are able to include those that when we cannot fill in, like when we cannot meet certain requirements to make companies and offices more accessible, I mean, accessible to anyone. Mm -hmm. And, um, The centralization doesn't really ask, right? Well, you know, do you have Twitter? You know, do you have Discord? Great. Like, you know, what do you want to do? Okay, good. You're in. (laughs) And the skills are what are things that matter the the creativity and the things you can build and what contributions you can give to the project and that's those are the main things that matter to be here to create.
0: Yeah, to participate. It just seems it seems such a a meaningful opportunity which kind of leads on to a question that I get quite a lot around people trying to understand where data is being stored when it comes to decentralization so who owns your data in a decentralized system
1: well i would say that the beauty of decentralized you know, of decentralized industry is that no one owns your data and everyone mm-hmm. owns it <laughs> so i think us to the opposite of the centralized world where we are used to Having to submit all our private information to for whenever we are signing up for account or opening a bank account, you know, it's like, you know, where where are you from? Your, you know, your name, your last name. Have you ever changed your name or not? How old are you? How old are you or not? Things like that. So usually have to fill out a bunch of answer a bunch of questions, submit so many documents, so many personal information to these institutions to get an account opened and those same institutions can cancel your account account whenever they please for any reason without even having to give any explanation or mm, a period where you can withdraw what you need or get information from your account. So that is the beauty of the industry that that, that's removed, right? So Mm -hmm. no one knows your um, no one, ideally, no one, no one owns your content. No one owns your information, but you. Mm-hmm. So, I would say the answer is no one knows it. Everyone knows it, but you own your your own.
0: And that's kind of exciting when you think about, particularly the difference between Web two and Web three. Is you didn't own your data in in, in Web two. Companies owned your data, and they made a lot of money from it. And realistically, you could decide if you wanted to be able to make. You could decide to be anonymous. You could decide if you wanted to make money from it, sell your own data, but be the person who profiteers from your own information, Uh, which I suppose kind of sometimes leads onto the question of of what data we shouldn't. What shouldn't we be keeping on the blockchain? Like what we know. What we we know the practicalities of being able to do it, but there is that that balance between having a completely anonymous. Uh, database, but also having one where everything's transparent as well and trying to merge those two identities can be quite a tricky one.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think we are still to discover what data we should and we shouldn't be keeping on blockchain precisely for the reason that everything is transparent. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it really depends how comfortable one feels to keep their data on chain. And I think we need to really reach that um security level where we can where we can really store the data on chain without having to worry that something's gonna happen to it, right? So some there someone's gonna hack or um we can have some bad actors. Mm-hmm. Um so that I think like those are um some of the things that we need to solve first before really going um, on chain and uh, having our data just transparent about anyone. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, for example, in some of the industries that embrace this technology, um, I mean, as we know, right, so art, FinTech, and health uh, health industry, mm-hmm. um, I'm bringing that up as an example because they read, um, they did the, uh, like, They did a survey, right, uh, to decide to understand what is the people's feeling around having their data, health data tokenized. Mm -hmm. So, the idea behind that is to tokenize the health data. So, that data is further sold for some research purposes, right? So, understand that might help, for example, to find cures for some diseases or to help others. And they did a survey in Switzerland, in Germany. And in Switzerland, uh, really good, uh, really high percentage of people said that they would agree to tokenizing their health data and having it shared with, you know, with relevant companies in exchange if they got a discount on their health insurance
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, if they could, uh, if they could have the option also like to choose who that their data is uh, shared with. While, in, while the Germans were a lot more skeptic when it comes to selling their health data and they wanted to have the right to decide whether they want to share that their health data with that, with that specific company or not. So that is one example of how we can store our data, very personal, very private, and very important data on-chain. Mm-hmm. And... Um, while I'm a not a big fan of that, even though it can definitely help humanity, but we know why we're being skeptics about that. On the mm-hmm. other side, tokenizing all your health data would actually enable you to get all your medical history anywhere in the world, right? So imagine you are traveling somewhere and... Uh, some unfortunate event happens, your doctor asks you whether you receive these vaccines or this medicine, you would be like, well, you know, honestly, I have no clue. But yes. having that ability to access your medical history on chain, it would actually allow you to probably get like even better care or to get better prescriptions. So I think it's really a lot about balance Mm -hmm. and um, what we are ready to share and to put on chain and um, and feel comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, that kind of reminds me of where, when I'm trying to explain blockchain to people, I'm talking a lot about it, you know, it's a decentralized database at the end of the day at its its very core. But if you are practicing and you're, you're learning a new CRM system at work, You'd get to go, you'd go on the practice database first. You don't, they don't put you on the live system. They go, hey, why don't we go a little bit on practice? I suppose one of the, one of the dangers sometimes from a blockchain perspective is when you're practicing, you're practicing on a live system that you, you can't delete data from. You can change it, you can move it, but you can't delete anything that's on there. So you have to be very aware of what's going what what's happening on there even when you're just learning through systems although there is obviously a lot of practice systems out there but do you have any recommendations for people who are kind of starting to learn their journey on blockchain and want to be able to get familiar with how to utilize it
1: well to be honest when it comes you're completely right like you know once you put it you cannot get it out there <laughs> <laughs> so i would um i would recommend really doing thorough research talking to people maybe someone had a similar experience they can share um get into groups of people that are really focused on that data privacy data sharing and get both perspectives and understand the ups and downs and um i would also probably recommend it gradually right so do not put everything out there (laughs) wait a bit do it in steps right like and see how it goes and the more you feel comfortable and the more you know then if you see that's the way to go yeah i mean sure then do it if if you're ready if you're ready for it and um when it comes to blockchain as blockchain um Well, I would say that blockchain uh, can, the blockchain application can be quite wide, but it's not for for everything. And um, I think it really matters when you're thinking uh, to go blockchain, to put it that way, is to really check whether you find yourself, whether you find yourself in this environment and whether this is the place where you feel comfortable building and being. Um, because, we ha- I mean, being very honest, uh, working in this industry is is not like to any other industry. Like I've been working no. in tech industry for, I mean, all my career. And um, blockchain is a different story. Like you, you have to live it. You have to breathe it if you want to be in it. And um, if you want to build properly, you really need to know and understand the ethos of the industry and whether that is something that really resonates with you and the way you you want to build things. Because if it doesn't, then you'll probably, I mean, you surely have several issues along the way because you're you're building not for yourself, you're building for the community and for the better tomorrow. And uh, you really need to see whether that's something that resonates well with you.
0: Definitely. I was explaining to someone the other day that, you know, if a project benefits from being community-owned, community-governed and interoperable, then a blockchain is your way forward. But if it doesn't benefit from having those elements, then it probably is going to be something that stifles that moving forward rather than necessarily enables you to move forward with it, which can be quite, a, quite an interesting decision to be able to come up with, which leads me very nicely onto my next question, which is who is regulating decentralized systems?
1: Well, ideally, decent, decentralized environment is self-governed, but <laughs> as we know, that's not really doable. <laughs> Because we have <laughs> we have traditional world regulations that we that we need to comply with and we need to follow. So again, like ideally, decentralized organizations and the decentralized projects are would be should be um, hopefully would be self-governed, where the community, where the people involved are building out their governance in accordance with the community itself, with their goals, with their mission, with their vision. Um, Because each and every project is different, and there is no one solution fits them all. And in order for a project to be successful, it needs to build the governance that that fits them well. And when it comes to Agreeing with the the legal and regulatory of the centralized world, well, unfortunately, it's not us deciding that, but I definitely hope that in the future um, that will be possible, that there will be an agreement between the centralized legal world and the on-chain world when the on-chain world will be able to self-govern and still agree and comply with the centralized world without compromising its nature? I'm not sure how much this answers your question.
0: <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's really important to kind of uh, recognize that there is obviously, our world is built around these centralized institutions, you know, that that is how our whole our, how work, world works and one of the reasons that this is this webcast is called distributed a distributed republic is because that's the the whole governance around having a decentralized governance system a, a, a you know a country that could be entirely decentralized and exploring some of the the legalities around that and I, and I think one of the real differences when we're talking about decentralization is it's not just about what the technology can do and me and alison talk talked about this quite a lot in our last episode is there's a mindset shift that has to happen you have to fundamentally believe that people who are able to have more influence over their own policy more influence over their own rules will come up with better situations for themselves and the people that are part of that community and if you don't have that mindset the technology is not necessarily going to enhance or, or or support you in what you need to be able to achieve and that's quite difficult for people to understand that there almost has to be a philosophy behind the technology rather than just the technology technological capability
1: i mean you can have the best tech ever like let's be honest you can build the best tech ever you can build the best product ever uh, but if you're building in in this industry, if you don't have the community, if you you're not being, building in a decentralized way, that tech is not going to last. The project is not going to last because um, there is no supportive community, and there are no there is no that there is no people behind it to push that. I mean, it's a lot different in Web two, right? So in Web two, you need to come up with a great business idea with a great product idea. And get some funding in, build a tech, and sell it. <laughs> you have consumers, and uh, the better marketing you do, the better brand you build, the business just flows. Mm-hmm. But decentralization is hopefully opposite mm-hmm. of that. And we're in this environment is community-based and community focused. And with my, my first, is the community and how you build that community and how you build around that community. And then you build the product and the tech, right? But it's also very important to to say that um, if you build a good community, but you have very bad product, I mean, if you don't have product at all, I mean, still it's not gonna work. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. So you have Mm -hmm. to
1: have those very, both components So the project itself is successful and um, has the future. Um, But shifting from that web to mindset where profit comes first is crucial to build and to be successful in this environment.
0: Amazing. Um, Fantastic. My next question is, what role does community play in decentralized organizations and how they're governed? Which is a really nice follow on from what you were just saying.
1: Yeah, so I'm very vocal on the fact that community is the key component of each and every DAO. So when we look at DAOs as decentralized autonomous organization, what we see is how we usually define it is the tech, is a code, is a smart contract. However, why would you need that smart contract if you don't have the the community to actually behind that smart contract and to have that community that that smart contract is being built for. So there are two layers. There is the tech layer and there is the community layer. They're equally important and they're compatible and they are there for each other. And um, yeah, as I mentioned, you can have the best tech ever, the best product, but if there is no community to actually build that solution and to deliver that solution to the to the wider community to the environment there is i don't think there is a successful path forward we know very well how this market works and how it operates you have great days you have great years and then you have not great years at all <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you still have to go, you have to, you still have to keep on building, you have to survive those bad years. And the only way you can survive those bad years is by having that supportive community. And um, it's easy to build good co- good community, and good community when it's bull market and when everyone is happy, when everyone has genius ideas and, you know, raising millions. And uh, but when the market goes down, what happens then, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not not. I mean, things are not peachy anymore, probably. So you need that support layer who will stick with the project, who will keep on supporting the project, who will keep on promoting the project, and who'll be there to and to bring in ideas to. Um, to answer questions, to ask questions, to keep on building, to keep on promoting, to keep on buying, or at least not selling. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> which happens in many projects when market goes down. Of course, all coins goes down, go down, and then the community that is just there for you know for the hype, they just sell in panic. And of mm-hmm. course, we know how that go- goes, right? So community is the key component, but it's not the only component. Um, and I don't, as I said, like there is no successful DAO without a great community behind it. It doesn't have to be big, it has to be in, like, Willing. it's on the bus, <laughs> it has to be supportive, right? And it has yeah. to be the believer community.
0: Fantastic. So last question. Um, but if anyone does have any comments that they want to be able to add, please start writing them in now because we'll ca- have a couple of minutes at the end. Um, where do people need to go if they're looking for legal advice and support on decentralized projects?
1: So first, uh, what like the first thing I would say is there is no solution fit them all. So my one of the most common questions I get in the very first three minutes of the conversation is where to incorporate my DAO. <laughs> so uh, I know, like you know, some of yeah. some of the people in the space got incorporated in Panama because it's great. Some got incorporated in, in registered in Marshall Islands because it's great. Some got registered in Wyoming because it's great. Some got in, registered in Cayman Islands because it's great. So you know we have so many great jurisdictions, but mm-hmm. how to decide which one is good? So what matters is to consult with someone and make sure that the person really does understand what your project is about. So what are the project's long-term goals, the short-term goals, where the project is now, what the stage at your community is at, where the community is from, where are you looking to have more members from more investors, right? So depending again on the project, where the founders are from, what are your future plans when it comes to expansion and development, um, your white paper, like your light paper, your deck, any legal documents, or any documents you ever produced. So, what needs to happen? You need uh, is you need a professional who can do a proper legal and business assessment of all those, and based on that, give a recommendation on best practices where to uh, where to register or where to incorporate that entity. Because, again. Really depends how the country is looking at crypto assets, how the how it's actually what the, what is the mood of that mm-hmm. specific country towards crypto, and the international laws. Because again, we are talking decentralized, so you need to make sure that the country where you're incorporating or registering the DAO has international laws that can meet the needs of the community of the members and of the investors um anyone specific well I mean I do that
0: right? oh there's just a link that popped up all of a sudden and it came out of nowhere um yeah it was great get, let, let people know how they can uh, get in contact with you Alexa <laughs> yes
1: yeah, so I mean that is what I support with building the governance building the operations of course everything with the legal and compliance and uh, we operate globally so we are not tied to any specific uh, jurisdiction and we have quite a good network of legal and compliance mm, experts that can support uh, the industry and the projects.
0: Fantastic. Well, we're not inundated with questions, but that's because I'm pretty sure we answered them every single one that we possibly could. Um, but some positive feedback coming in. Thank you, Shiran. Um, So I just want to say once again, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to be on this webcast with us. Uh, it really means a lot. And I think it's super useful information. It's some of the most valuable insights that I think people need when they're looking at this world of decentralization. Um, if anyone's looking to, they can join our community um, on www.distributedrepublic.xyz or by following Distributed, uh, distributed Rep. Um, and also, if you want to be able to download any resources, um, you can go to the Stan store, which is stan.store forward slash Brett. And if your organisation will benefit from workshops related to decentralisation, metaverse, digital um, then do get in contact and we'd love to be able to support more. So do get in contact with me. But once again, thank you so much for your time, Alexa. And I look thank forward you. to work with you more in the future because it is really, really useful to have uh, this special speciality when it's so difficult to be able to come across. So thank you.
1: And thank you so much for the invite. It was great talking to you.